Rough Riders Radio. This is DJ Despair, and I'm live with my boy, Tough Dumplin'. Boy from Jamaica, Kingston, you know, Medea. So how's everything going right now in this game for you? It's, it's, it's been a crazy, I'd say the craziest lyrical time. I've written more lyrics than I ever have <laughs> in the last couple of months. Um, so, yeah, things have been going really good. Things been like just the vibe, the energy of the music just been just flowing. Nice. So now you've been on hiatus from the Toronto hip hop scene for how many years now? Shoot. <laughs> I would say a, the last record I officially put out was 20, 20 years ago. That would have been Tough Dumpling Foundation for Better Beats. And that was like the full. I did drop a mixtape, but I don't know if you want to count that. So if it's count a mixtape, it would be 17 years. But if it's the album, it's like 21 years. Sheesh. I know. This has been that long. (laughs) (laughs) And since then, you, uh, you came back with a banger, like like no industry. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, you know what it was? I was working on the soundtrack. I've been in the film industry for a while, so I switched gears. So I wasn't, you know, really focusing on music. It just so happened that I had to do the soundtrack for a short film that I was working on. And I was hitting up people like, yo, check this song out. What do you think? And then I sent a uh, link to Thrust and Thrust was like, yo, I'm feeling this joint. We should do something together. And I was like, all right. So I just threw another beat that I, um, that I got from my boy, Know It. And I was just like, you know, what do you think of the beat? He thought it was dope. And then I spit like my verse. Some came to me and I just, I did my verse like in like, I don't know, no time, almost one take kind of like vibe, kind of like a freestyle. I sent it to uh, Thrust and Thrust was like, all right. <laughs> he kind of was like, <laughs> and then, so this is what uh, you send me. <laughs> and this is what they came up with. Rough Riders Radio. You say you know it all, but do you really know it all? Who made this beat? Well, you don't really know it all. And if you're wondering, can Northern Touch pondering? Well, Thrust is on the track, so I say some shit to bother. I'm on some VHS tape shit when I Spotify my Netflix. You Google Yahoo, Aki Banana, my main dish. Quality is high res when I push you off the edge. Watch shoes and tell me if Tupac get beat up by Rodimez. Me, I listen to Sanchez in a basement, I play a domino. Run down to Eglinton, pick up Skelly. I want it blow, Rest in peace to Quez Roro. Chalk form is the clip. 
click the fariest. You better know. And right now we're going to open up the day with a performance from Trust with MC Collision. You know what to do? It's your boy Thrust. Most best. Most best. If you want to see the rest of that, go watch the video on YouTube. Support our fellow artists and go and watch and build some views. <laughs> You're done, though. <laughs> so the song is No Industry by Tough Dumplin, Fear Anthras, by Know It All Beats. It's being played everywhere. Premier's been playing it. Clit's been playing it. I've been playing it. Yo, if you ain't playing it, you shame yourself. <laughs> shame, on, shame on you shame on you hard right like seriously man i gotta give my my round of applause for this track thanks thanks and then i gotta let people know straight up you're gonna learn today so <laughs> so now you have a since that track, there's been a lot of traction. There's been a lot of noise. You woke up a lot of people. DTS is playing it on the master plan. And really, a lot of people don't get played on the master plan, you know, and DTS loves something. <laughs> <laughs> he, he played that. True that. True <laughs> so, that. So, you know what I'm saying? So at this point of the game right now, you have a new tr- single and a new video dropping with Ski Beats. How did that happen? Oh, my boy, I have a collective of musicians that I work with out in Brooklyn called Brooklyn 35. And one of the members, Rashida Mayer, um, he was doing like a, like a performance or some get together. And typically I, I'll back, I, you know, I got the DJ skills in me from, you know, my dad, Delroy G, big up. Um, so I was DJing and it was me and Ski Beats that were DJing. So when Rashid Mayer went to perform, the beat came, this beat comes on and I look to ski beats. I'm like, yo, this beat's dope. And he had that smile on his face. Like, yep, that's my beat. And I was like, I got to jump on that track. <laughs> I call Rashid the next morning. And I was like, yo, that beat you performed on. Like I was talking to ski beats about it. Like get me on that remix, man. And so, um, you know, he sent over the instrumental and I was just like, wait, this is like, should be a posse cut because the song just had that kind of energy where it just kept building and building and I just needed a diff- different energies. So I call uh, Rhea Lovin, uh, dope singer from the Bronx, Harlem. And then I call Thrustin. And then, so he's from Brooklyn and then Rhea Love, she, she borders both um, Harlem and Bronx. Cause she, she's in both areas. So basically we are like, all right, let's do the Brooklyn Bronx, Toronto connection. And that's pretty much how the, the track kind of came about. It was literally me just DJing with ski beats at, at, uh, at a function. And uh, when they came on, you know, we politic for a minute and that I was like, yo, let me jump on this. So we're going to go, we're going to take you into where we are talking. Here's the track fleet. And yo, I can't wait to see this video. <laughs> yo, I'm editing the video as we speak. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> We're gonna give him a little taste right now. Why I flex? Why 
I'm Miggity Menace like Dennis. I'm Riggity Robbie for your Nintendo. And your Ziggity Sega Genesis. So one, two, ah, uh, cook the color, Lou. Mix it with the dumpling in the stool, hibbity doo. And my preamp is connected to my headphone. And my headphone is connected to my microphone. Why the hell am I telling you this? Yeah. I'm rapping like rappers nowadays. They say blah, blah, blah. Oh, I'm depressed and can't sleep. I lost two followers this week. You're crying and you're crying and the Uber was your G. Radio, where real hip hop lives. Yo, if you want that track, go out, listen to it on Spotify. Videos dropping soon. Tune into yep. my shows. Tune into the underground radio shows. It's being played everywhere in Toronto. Also, a master plan show. So, you were talking about. Brooklyn 35, right? Yeah. So this track right here. We have this game on lock. Street Killers is in the damn building. I saw this video and I said, like, why did you give me this? It's off Know It All Actually Project. So we're gonna we're gonna skip through a bit. My intuition and my heart and soul that ain't no messing with mine. I think we're fucking, we gon' get it, we gon' get it in time. We never laid off. Take in mind, there's a lot of MCs on this track. Come on, the way I'm wild. I'm sweeping like a broomstick. Me, I let you get tired, right? You are just like, ooh, my intuition and my heart and soul that ain't no messing with mine. I think we're fucking, we gon' get it. We gon' tell you gon' sweep you away like a broomstick. We ahead of the times. so you hit me with this roller skating track the other day what's going on with that which track <laughs> The roller skating. What's up with that track? Roller skating. It was off uh, a Brooklyn 35 project. And we just, it just sat there. It was just, it just sat there. It never had a placement. It was, we performed it because Brooklyn 35, we were on tour. We needed, we were making up songs to perform on tour. So that was just one of the songs we had, but it, actually didn't we didn't do a, a brooklyn 35 release for it it's actually um a man child from butter baby's track so if you go back to the first tough dumpling album where you see toe to toe man child from butter babies we just always been connecting mm. and so he's out here um he's in the u.s so it was easy for me and him to link so when i was doing the brooklyn 35 project it was dope just to have somebody from back home to jump on all the joints so it's really a man-child track 
feature in Brooklyn 35. Nice. Um, but it was to throw Manchild on the Brooklyn 35 tours that we were doing. So, okay. So, where do you want to start with? EDM, reggae, or alternative? Which, where are we going with this? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going to give you guys a sample of what we're talking about. So, here's the reggae track, and I'm going to start it not from the beginning, but I'm going to give you a taste. All right. All right. Yes. Yeah. So here we go. Start a new relationship with you. You made me wanna be the one I win. Start a new relationship with you. How can this be true? I'm falling for you. We're supposed to be friends, but lately I've been wanting to have you. Tell me what you wanna do. Tell me which move is your move. Tell me so I can move to exactly how you do. Exactly how you move. Like I said, it, tell me what's going on with this song. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just, I'm able to just tell stories on whatever beat that I hear. You know, for me, I can just flow, whether it's reggae or hip hop. If I like the beat and I got a story to tell, I just flow on it. And that track was one of those tracks. Actually, I did the beat on that one. And it wasn't my typical tough dumpling beat. So I was kind of, it was more of an experiment at first. And then the two artists um, jumped on it and was just like, yo, we really like this joint. And so I was like, all right, we got to do something with it then. So we, um, it's scheduled to be on a bunch of, you know, Tough Dumpling projects when it comes out. And it just adds another flavor because I feel like I don't jump on like, you know, that Afro beat reggae stuff a lot. So when I do it, it's kind of, that song was unique in itself that I did it on that song and I actually produced that. So it made it. So I was like, all right, maybe I'll, you know, I'll tap into this vibe a little bit more. Um, just cause I have the capabilities of doing it. So a lot of the times, um, a lot of artists in just end up getting typecasts in their rapping style. But the fact that I could keep switching my style and the fact that I could produce myself, I could just keep switching the beats to, to fit any particular style I want to go to. So I have, note. it gives me a lot of control, essentially. <laughs> so on that note. <laughs> See this one here. So yeah. took, you know, this is going to surprise a lot of people because not too many people know that you could also do EDM. It's about to go down. 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 This is a DJ Despair exclusive. Me ready to make my statement. Tell me congratulations. I'm mad. Yeah, this is not enough. We're in a fall. I'm Breeze. I'm Noah. Who 
just to play like the domino. Look up the Heineken and catch up on your band and show. Me leave Jamaica and I hate the air. Me say hate the air. Fuck up the hockey banana and mango with the rotty grape. Jump the fire and steal. Immigration paper lane. Police not stop me. I number one and the only grape. Reach to the congregation. Sipping on your bank's beer, they don't understand us. Guess some things just ain't clear. I walk my walk, I talk my talk. I'm my own boss, I ain't scared. Immigration's rampant, that's what Sanchez ain't fear. They fear the banana boat transition. Put a hand in soap and dishes. Get a can of hope and rinsed it. Man, our passion's so enriched in our culture. But we knock it out the park, this ain't no home run. This is cricket, like football, watch me kick it. Yeah, yeah. Now, knowing that you could do whatever you want right now in the music game, how does yeah. that make you feel? <laughs> Actually, it feels really good com- coming from the fact that in Toronto, when I first came out, the, pro- the issue that I had when I came out, the first song caused such a controversy that I was almost banned from literally everything. So Let's speak on that. So it, what happened? Like in brief words, what all right. So, all right. So, me and um, Quezro Dondi, we, I mean, me and Dondi were known as producers at the time. So, we were like kind of making beats. We had the nefarious records that we were making. Motion came by the crib to get, get a tough dumpling beat. So, I gave her the I played her the demo while she was listening to the beats and she was like, Oh, you should come on the master plan show. And we got, you know, Quezer was all hype. He was like, yeah, yeah, we go hit that master plan show. And then she said, it was all going to be Canadian. And I was like, Oh shit. I don't want to be played with all the kids. I want to play with the Jay Z's and the biggies and the Nas's. I want to play with all the Canadian crap. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, I told Motion, nah, you know, we'll just keep her demos to herself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Quezro calls me and says, it's an opportunity for us to get on the radio, like you did, utilize it. So I decided I'm going to write a whole song from scratch of why I don't want to be played with all the other Canadian artists. And that's literally how it started. And that set the tone that that's like our first song out the gate. So we couldn't get a grant for doing videos. Like it was almost like we were instantly blacklisted for the song. The song caused such a buzz, but it kind of put us on the radar of, you know, everybody was like, oh, now you're messing with all these cats in Toronto. There's only like two gatekeepers. You piss both of them off. How are you going to get a video? But it forced me to write in such a way that you could visualize my stories. And I think that's right. why I'm able to, even stand the test of time is because I knew I couldn't get a video. So I always had to write to describe everything so you could picture it because there's a good chance Factor would never give me a grant. And in the early, you know, 
early 90s, the only way to get a video was to, to get a grant. No one could afford a video then. It's not like now where everybody could even shoot on their iPhone or something. There's no access to video. And so, you know, I was, I just, you know, I sat down with Quezero and I was just like, look, we just got to make our lyrics super detailed because we're not going to have, if, if they can't get what we're saying. We won't have any visuals to ever back it. So they have to understand word for word. And that's literally, you know, I kind of keep that in mind, even though I'm writing, even though I have access to doing videos now, I still write with the context. Yeah. Like there's not going to be a video. You caught me because you made noise in Winnipeg and then you came to Winnipeg and did a track with shades. And then that was another thing that just blew up because at that time, not too many people were getting into like even liking hip hop and reggae crossing over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, it was, like, it was like a new thing for everybody. It was like, uh, yeah, like uh, boot camp click was starting. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like some people yeah. say a little bit of yardy reds, bus rhymes, and say a few things. People, oh, okay, okay, okay slow, slow down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I went. I, I mean, for me, it was because I was in high school. I, I had a radio show in high school, and I used to crack jokes because I didn't want the teachers to know what I was talking about. So I went into deep patois. And then I switched back over into English. And so when the morning announcements came on, you'll hear me talk about, you know, what was happening throughout the school. But then I'll be talking in heavy deep pato about, you know, all the, where everybody's going to be smoking and drinking. But because the pato was so deep, the teacher would have no clue what I was saying. Oh, yeah. And so when I came out with a couple of songs and it's straight patwa, because back, back then everybody had a patwa line but no one raps straight Patwa through a whole song. And so I kind of was just like, let me just go straight, you know, let me not let up. And so it, it, it was, it, it was funny because I ended up having two audiences in Toronto where I had a hip hop audience and had a, like a West Indian reggae hardcore audience. And I would mess myself up because I'll get booked for a show, think it's a hip hop show. And I get there, it's a dancehall crowd. And the yeah. dancehall crowd back in the day, they, they want to hear reggae. They don't want to hear no half. They want them, <laughs> you know? So there's a couple of times I was just like, you know, I was like, yo, I might need to figure out, you know, call these promoters and talk to, you know, what, who's showing up? Is it hip hop? What stations you promoted on? What radio shows? Because based on the radio shows they were pushing it most, I could tell if it was going to be more a West Indian crowd or more a hip hop crowd. Yeah, true. So I end up, you know, just be able to push two different records like Lay Low. A lot of people love Lay Low off the Tough Dumpling album, but hip hop heads are not really feeling that song. But all the West Indian people like it way better than Pondering. And so it's it's always been that I always every time I write, I would always write for both crowds in a way where it's like, all right, this is for my hip hop straight punchline heads and this is for my all my West Indian people want to hear the the unspoken stories, you know? Well, yeah, you see, like, because when you came in the game, it was, it was like a breath of fresh air. And then, but you had to compete with certain guys who fit the complexion, like, you know, the style for what they needed in the game. They were looking for a little dread running around. They already had a couple. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that spoke English. <laughs> so I was just like, probably like, so, you know, when you look at it for the way I grew up with it, it was all I like. I, I always felt that you, Thrust, and certain, and like, 
you know, King Justin, a lot of guys, JY's, Color Brown were slept on. Instantly. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, even like G Vine, Wade Brown, like a lot of guys, JB from GCP, like the whole GCP movement was like the Wu Tang in Canada. Yeah, like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there was a lot of rappers that came out and, like, you know, Red Life, a lot of people that got their little shine, but didn't go further, further. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and even now, just to be able to work with you and Thrust and certain guys, like, even though we're all around the same age and all that stuff, it was like, it, and when I was growing up, it was just like, this is where I want to be. <laughs> Got you. Changed. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Because I, I was lucky to be going back between Toronto, Brooklyn, New York, Buffalo, and all that stuff as a kid. And I have roots in Toronto because I was living there since I was 10. Yeah. And out. But it's like growing up there and watching you guys become who you are it was different than just saying, okay, these are the rappers out of Toronto. Got you, got you, got you. Like a lot of people never got to go watch the underground parties where you guys were performing at. Yeah, Even when yeah. Drake first broke out, you know, like there was that one spot where you guys used to do events, and people used to come and just rap. You yeah, know, and, you know, show your skills. And if you sucked, you sucked. Toronto yeah, let no, you know. for sure. <laughs> and <laughs> Toronto was nasty with it. I mean, we'd pay to go boo people. You know, it's just like you pay your money just to go in because you want to boo somebody. <laughs> <laughs> or throw a buckle. Or <laughs> throw a buckle. It's like, you know, yeah. and so, I, and I think Toronto kind of like, I mean, Toronto just, in some ways, I, I have it twofold. Some ways I'm like, yeah, I was slept on. And in other ways, I'm like, maybe not because the vinyl, people still like the vinyl. Still people push the vinyl. The stories are still u- unique in terms of, um, what I was rapping about. Cause I, if you listen to a song like pondering, some people might say it's a diss track, but it, it's actually describing the layout of the time. I'm talking about uh Toonie Tuesdays yeah. where everybody used to go to the movies on Tuesdays, yep. late great movies on city TV. So yep. it's almost like I'm documenting everything that's but, it's around. So it's for me, it was just a storytelling of, documenting what I was seeing and how I was feeling, but doing it more, you know, at the time, most rappers were rapping about forties and Toronto didn't have forties. And it was like, what the hell are you rapping about? So the combination of making fun of them and saying, look, I'm just a broke Toronto MC that go to the movies on Tuesday, but I don't know what the hell you guys talking about over there. was kind of like my attitude. Oh, man. No one, no one understood like Tootie Tuesdays at the dollar nights with at uh, yeah, yeah, uh, at the cinema there, Square One, shopping one. Come on, dog. But <laughs> people didn't know that before Square One was Square One. There was like a dollar movie. Like you could watch. Any, I watched Deep Cover up in that. Like yeah, I seen some funny. shit there. Like I remember the day I saw Deep Cover there. I was like, hey, that changed my life. Like you know, yeah. I got to see that for two dollars. <laughs> like yeah, so I think that's my approach to doing music is I, I listen to a song and I go, okay, what story am I trying to tell the person here? And I just always, ever since the first song launched, it was the same thing. I was sitting down with Quezro and I literally was just like, I don't want to be on this radio show. I'm going to rap about why I don't want to be played with a bunch of other Canadian artists. And that literally s- started the whole fire. Of, and then that's know. the only radio show that actually plays you. So that is- <laughs> 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 I got played on a few others, but then I got banned afterwards. That's what so I mean. Like <laughs> to this day, though, Master Plan still got you back to this day. So you know, yeah, that's dope. That's dope. History, like, Considering you know, 
my song was about why I didn't want to get played on Master Plan. <laughs> Master Plan's the only one that wants to play you. So it's just like you gotta think about it. Like when the whole game goes, it's like one thing I like man, I don't wanna be playing with a bunch of Canadians and all of a sudden it's just like but nobody else playing me but him. Like shit. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's funny because I didn't know I'm still from at the time I was, you know, I I'm in the hip hop game, but I'm so heavily in the West Indian community right. that I don't know how far hip hop was in Canada. I didn't even realize it was like we were at the brinks of the whole starting of the industry. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know it, you know, like so it's not like I came in this hip hop head that was straight hip hop. Right. I was, you know, you know, deep in the reggae and then you know people are like, oh, these are the hip hop guys. And I was like, oh, so these are the hip hop guys. Let me hear them. And then I was like, oh, that's it. And then I was just. (laughs) We see that's the thing about Toronto and Winnipeg. We're the two biggest hip hop scenes during that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like Winnipeg, like, and it's it's funny because a lot of guys cross back and forth. A lot of people, the industry was different. And then there was a lot of West teams that migrated in places. But yeah, you got to look at with Toronto. You had a West Indians, uh, like it's not as big as it is now. Yeah, like where everybody's speaking patois. Like, yeah, yeah. Back in the days, it was like you go to a store and you're like, yo, we want. I want two juice, and and then there's this, the guy's like, what? Now you walk in the store, and then, like the Asian dude comes out the back, yo, what you want? Shit's <laughs> like, <laughs> just different yeah. now. Like, yep. you come off the plane, and then it's just like you walk in a Seven Eleven, and it was like, yeah, I'll be two or three. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, off. It's just like, yeah, yeah. You know, but back then it was just everybody was on the diversity. Whereas, like, I speak English, I speak Italian. We speak Portuguese, like everything mm-hmm. was just separated. Like yeah, even yeah. when I went to Saga, that freaked me out when I saw Bocce Bolt. Like, you know, like Bocce setup. Like I'm just like, really? This is like little little Portugal right here. <laughs> like, you know yeah, saying? yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, so, so yeah, so a lot of I, I mean back then I just feel like there was so many cool stuff going on in terms of, you know, linking at the radio station and just vibing with different artists and putting together shows. And then that's why when my show started, I realized like when I was performing that I couldn't get all the West End guy, West End and people to show up. It was like all these guys from Scarborough showing up and all the Chark Farm Finch men then wouldn't show up. So I was like, yo, if I give you free food, will you come to the show? <laughs> and that's when I started doing the cocoa bread and potty jam. The rice on peas on. <laughs> I start bringing all, I start bringing all the Jamaican food into my show. That way, everybody can come up from the West End and eat. Because they used to be like, "Yo, don't talk too expensive, Virgin. They want to charge thirty dollar for a hot dog." <laughs> like, what that? <laughs> Yo, uh, he's not lying, right? You go downtown, pay like ten to twenty dollars for get uh, for parking. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, so, so yeah. So back then, I tried to make sure I feed the people at, at, in the shows, and it, it was just it's just a good time all around. The fact that I was able to to without a video do that much shows. I mean, if you consider in the hip hop game, out of everybody, all the groups that came out we're still the only one that never had a video. Right. You know what I'm saying? And like, if you really look at it, that's crazy to leave such a, you know, at least have a legacy without a video. 
Well, see, that's you know, the thing, though. You and a lot of people don't know. You're up in you're you're getting played in Europe. You're getting played in the UK. You're getting played everywhere else. And then that's like, like you just the other day you told me one of the R and B tracks that you did was like charting. So it's like these are the things that the money and that fame couldn't buy you. Like you know, yeah, going yeah. through all no, that crap sure. and everything, and taking off and going to New York, and you know, you music is not just your only passion. Like, yeah, yeah. With the film and producing and everything too. So, for being a black man in that industry to have these type of skills and to be able to just do whatever you want when you want, yeah, and know you can. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, for sure. And it's like you can make a beat any day, drop a track, and he's like, "Okay, guys, I'm here. I'm ready to go. Yeah, here's everything." But yeah, it's like yeah. now it's relevant to a to what can I say legends making their blessings back in the game got you got you that they they you guys never died there's other things to do a lot of you all had to have jobs a lot of us had to do life like, yeah know, yeah us had no kids for sure during those times yeah so it's like and leading into the, like the conversation we have right now and then covid hits you know yeah. what I mean? and then you got this new track now tomorrow like 24 hours of tomorrow like explain that one like this is a deep song and it really touched me every time I listen to this. Um that song is unique in terms of uh Know It Send Me, um the producer out of the kitchen or know it all. He sent I think he sent a pack of beats or I picked a beat. And I remember hearing that beat, really liking it, wasn't sure what to do on it. And the following week, uh, a relative of ours, we got a call that their grandparents was going to, was in the hospital and they weren't going to make it, but they weren't sure when they were going to pass. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, everybody was trying to figure out, should they go and buy this ticket to go and see this person? And it was almost as like, the doctor basically goes, you know, if you're not here in 24 hours, you may not see this person again. And so I've, you know, people around me was trying to figure out, you know, when they should get their ticket. Should they wait a day or not? And the person got to the airport and then they got the call that the person passed. So they landed and they didn't even get to see the person. So they try to, to try to make it before, you know, and so I just started to think, what if, you know, what if you just knew you're going to pass? What, what are the things that you would have done in your life right, right now? If you know you have the ability to do anything, but tomorrow it's all going to be taken away from you. And so that's where the song came from. It was literally, we got a phone call from a family member that basically said, you know, I have a little bit of time to get to the hospital and the doctor said this person's not going to make it so, trust me uh, i understand how that went i my grandma <laughs> so do that all last year so yeah so that's where it came from it actually came from a different place it wasn't like my typical i just literally thought of what that feeling might be felt like just because i knew the people around me was feeling that way well as we go into the song tomorrow. And who do you have featured on this? Dana Danger. She's out of Brooklyn 35. This song right here. 
Please take a listen. Do you feel trapped with no room? Think the world about to end soon? You want to see your friends surreal instead of on Zoom? I stopped watching the news, I'd rather watch cartoon. You feel stressed, you say no when you meant yes, I guess. Other people have less. So why do you think your life is such a mess? All the troubles I had, I try to solve them. I can't tell if it's me or the government problem. And that's real. But if you know there's no tomorrow. 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 kids or just have them go out and play what? or would you stay or go away on a road trip we going to dine 24 hours oh shit i should have chose a different topic for this song because yeah. it's making me depressed and i don't want to go on you gotta keep strong even though you feel weak i skip my eight hours of sleep before the planet deletes okay. i'll call my dad mom sister brother cousin and we got together some of us will pray together couples all lay together crack jokes get a laugh remember when time passed quick fast hey, yo, i um, forgot what i wanted to ask um could we stop wearing this fucking mask? Cause if we gonna die, let's go out with a fucking blast. Run up on the credit card, buy drinks, get hard, do drugs, get scarred. Thank you for my family, Lord. But if you know there's no tomorrow, 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 no, there was no tomorrow. That song is going to be part of the four that we're releasing in uh, in the next while. Yep, it's yep. going to be fun. I'm really happy to be behind this project and be happy to be working with you. This song right here, I've played it for a lot of people, and they love it. They really love it. So I know this song's going to be a hit. All right, cool. <laughs> it's always funny because you never know what song people will gravitate to. And like most people know me for the crazy energy kind of raps. So it's kind of cool to to, to have that's something that's point. more serious. That's the whole point of it because, yes, you do joke a lot. You do say a lot of things. You do a lot of stuff and everything. And people have known you for that for years. But when I heard this song, it was just a different aspect of you because it made sense. Like, yeah, yeah. You got that slick Rick flow. You know, you got the artist storytelling flow. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that's what I miss. Like, I miss that, hey, young world. And that's what that reminds me of. Got you, got you. You know what I mean? And not too many people could actually pull things off like that. You yeah, know, yeah. They could go positive to a point where you still said a couple of jokes in it. You know what I mean? But it's, Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's like you, you, you're doing it off a of feeling. Like, this is how I feel. This is what's yeah. going on in my life. This is how I feel. Don't like it. That's your problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think, too, writing in a space where you you write from a natural emotion is, I feel like that's where a lot of artists miss out on because they get in the studio and they're just literally trying to rhyme. You know, you try to find words to rhyme with instead of just trying to tell a story, <laughs> you know? And so, you see, a lot of people don't have any experience. 
So how could they have any feelings to rap about anything when you're 20, 25 years old and you talk about, I'm tired, I want to die. And you're just like, yo, what are you done? <laughs> Why do you think popping pills is so popular? <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, everyone's like, okay, 35, you're old. I'm like, yo, what's wrong with you, man? 35, I'm just trying to live. I just learned now. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, no, know. I think I think right now there's a lot of room in the game. If anything, I would tell a lot of the older artists to really get in on the stories because they need to be told. I mean, it's a year the the last couple of years. This is mumble rapping. You know what I'm saying? And you have you could look at it as like a book. You know, there's a lot of crappy books out there, and there's good books. You know, so eventually, if someone hears something good, they'll go back to it. So, uh, you know, I try to encourage a lot of the old artists that be like, oh, yeah, I don't think I got it. I ain't got nothing that's like that got that dip dance or this dance. I'm like, dude, just tell your story. It doesn't have to be about that. You know what I'm saying? And I always been really good on like trying to point out that I am a storyteller. I'm not, you know, if you get me on a song, you just want me to spit bars it all depends if the beat requires it, then I'll do it sometimes for fun. But generally, even in my freestyle, there's an objective of something that I'm trying to tell you, you right. know? And even if you listen to the, the, the freestyle on the master plan show, the, the one from, I think we, we did it in 1999. I mean, we went for 15 minutes straight and we still had a story. <laughs> there's so many stories that we were telling just rapping for 15 minutes straight, you know? And so, you know, I'll definitely encourage all you rappers out there, um, the, especially the older ones, you know, get to that mic and tell that story because, you know, p- people need to hear it. It'll come around just because there's a mood for everything. Because sometimes I listen to the, you know, the gibbery rap <laughs> and I just dance around the house because it's funny, but there's only, there's a time and space for that. You can't do that the whole straight through, you know, you can't listen to 24 hours of that stuff. But I know there's a time and place for it. So um, I'm not dissing it either. I'm just saying, always just make room for yourself. Because there's, there's tons of people who want to hear different stories. Because I remember, I remember when, back in the days when No Limit and Cash Money came out, and every brother I knew was rolling around playing that. <laughs> like, it was just like, yeah. it was just like, when you say, huh, no, 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 you're just like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, that was like motivation thug music. Yeah, and nowadays no, for sure. it's like, but those guys were actually telling you how to get the money, trying to hustle, tell you how to do stuff yeah, no, for sure. Own way, right? And nowadays you got, you know, like Gazelda beats, okay, the Gazelda movement. I've been happy for that because I've been working with Falcon a lot, a lot of people in the games and all that stuff. I like gutter underground hip hop, yeah, like outlandish hip hop. When you come yeah. through and, and thrust spits and all stuff, even the way you flip the DOS effects. There's a lot of people who don't even know who DOS Effects was. Yeah, yeah. You know no, for sure. And then you're flipping a style and everybody's like, oh, that's a new style. Like, no, DOS Effects did that. And they're just like, oh. <laughs> no, just- and I may- it's funny because I made sure opening saying their name because I'm like, it was kind of me just paying ode to DOS Effects, you know, in a way because I felt like they're in some ways they went slept on. They were like number one on the charts of hip hop in the 90, 92, it was like number one on the hip hop chart. So to be number one on the hip hop chart and never been spoke about afterwards, you know, they talk about the Jay-Z and the Nas right. and like, dude, there's a bunch of people in that era that you kind of skipped, 
you know, because it's like, like the story starts on 95 or 94. But then it was just like, wait a minute, between 91 or 1990, you know, so it goes to Nas and then it goes to Rock M. But then they kind of skip this whole Whoa. element in between, you know. There's guys arguing with me, like, like you know, some kids these days, like some of the, the guys in the early 30s. Yeah. They don't get Wu-Tang. Yeah. They don't get a lot of, uh, like anybody from 35 under, a lot of people don't get Wu-Tang. A lot of people yeah. don't get the whole why we took to Wu-Tang. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because we grew up with martial arts and cartoons. <laughs> yeah, got you. Okay, if you're from the <laughs> island, you grew up with martial arts and cartoons. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> anybody who knows, and Western movies. Yeah. So that's a culture in itself that a lot of people don't even understand because I can tell you any Western movie to this day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, for sure. Sight lines. Like, it's just like, because that's what our parents were listening to. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if you came from a West Indian background, you listen to soca, reggae, you know, chutney, like a whole bunch of different things. You were always at different parties with different families. You're always around different dialects. And then yeah, you always sure. watch certain things. Like, and then so you learn. You know and stuff because we didn't have it where there was like five flat screens in a the house. There was one TV in a house. Yeah, and a VCR, no, for sure. You know, and you had to go pick up a book or something to go find something else to do with yourself. Like, I remember reading <laughs> comic books for like, like so much love because I can't watch no TV. So, so that was that was basically my TV. What reading a comic book? Like you know. No, I hear you. And, I mean, I used to go down when I was in Jamaica. I used to go down by the gully and just chill out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'd be down in there trying to catch fish. And there's like, my granny used to be like, don't, pick, don't bring us stinking fish in the house. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, yeah. So it, I think just, I don't know. I feel like, especially after the pandemic, I think people a good chunk of people realize they have to start making better decisions. And then yeah. some people st- didn't. A lot of people sat there and looked at their spouses and be like, really? Yeah. A lot of people looked at their kids and said, this is what you've been doing the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, I've been sitting there and my life has been the same since the pandemic hit. Nothing's really changed. Change. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because I've always been in the lab. I've always like, the only thing I didn't do is tour. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the end. Like events. That's basically the only thing I didn't do. Like I did it live. Yeah, a few shows here and there, but when people when this hit, people were like, "Yo, you're not affected." I go, "Dog, I did two years in prison. Like, this is nothing. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like literally, like." And then they're like, "Well, I go, yo, you know how many years I spent in my room?" Like, yeah, yeah. Go, like, come on, man. Like, I used to draw, sit there, hide in my room. Like, like when you had space to yourself, growing up in a family, like with a lot of West Indian, like sometimes we lived with our aunts, uncles, and families in the yeah, house. yeah. So if you mm-hmm. got space to yourself, you were the happiest person in the world. Like, yeah, no, for you know? sure. And if you had siblings, oh man, that's even better because if you're the oldest, you're screwed. You you gotta take care of the other ones. You know what I'm saying? Like, you couldn't even go nowhere without taking your brother or sister with you. Like, yep, I had to share a room um, with my stepsister, and I got like the SP1200, the samplers, but it only could be on my half of the room. See, so people would come and like want to sit on the other half to listen to a beat and my sister be like nah no one's sitting on my half of the room and so we all be crunched in one corner <laughs> listen to some beats 
<laughs> me and my brother used to be like that because I used to have the turntable set up and we had a sheet that divided us between our rooms. <laughs> and it was just like, and I'm sitting there going, like, there was times me and my cousin used to beat gals and we were just like, is your brother listening? I don't know. Like, it's just like, you know, to see like, yeah. people don't understand was... that lifestyle, man. Like, yo, one day, it's a funny story. I got, I got a Nintendo. I was one of the first kids to get a Nintendo. And everybody in my class is like, yo, we want to come over and play. We want to go come over and play. So I figured out a plan. I was like, at lunchtime, because I knew my parents wouldn't be home until like five or something. Mm. So I was like, let's let's skip the, let's go to, come over to the crib at lunch. And then we'll stick around to like two and three and then bounce. So we're going to skip the next, next class. So two classes we're skipping. I get there. And um, uh, we're playing the games. There's like six, seven people. And I hear the keys in the door. And I was like, oh, shit. So I think it's my sister. And my dad got off work early that day. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Yo, Bridget. <laughs> I know how that is. <laughs> Yo, this shit is just crazy. I remember my dad bought us my dad for Christmas. We got two. So my dad got us one and my mom got us one because my parents were separated at the time. My mom turns around and goes, since your dad got you one, I'll take the other one. I'm like, I can have my own. <laughs> it's just like, there's only one TV. I'm like, hey, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know. Yo, I did better. I got, I, I had a little TV and I found one in the garbage and I plugged that shit in and it worked. Oh, yeah? The only problem is you ever you ever see those old TV where the colors change a little bit? Mm-hmm. So halfway through, it's Listen, like orangey. <laughs> I'm used to taking out the cable and putting the the, the the dial half and half on twelve, so we can get black like black twelve. Like you know, remember all right, all right, get, like, Fox <laughs> at that time. So trust me, I know what it's like to watch weird things like like flickering and stuff at the time. Because yeah, I know that was the only know. way you were able to get like certain cartoons and like, stuff like in certain movies. Like I know people are watching this interview going, "Damn, how old these guys are again?" Listen, <laughs> what are they talking about? <laughs> if you never ever had your music on a on a mixtape can't fuck with us i'll just tell you that straight it's like i still got mixtapes with you on it so that's what i'm saying is like back then you got to think about technology and the way the world's changed for us especially you being a fellow tech like yeah going from an mpc to what you see now yeah you know what i mean like you remember how we had to record with an a-track and yeah shoot film with a reel like we had to go steal extra film to build other reels I mean, I did the first demo of just scratching on the four track. So you you scratch the sample on one side, yeah, and then you have a drum machine loop on track one, and then track two, you do the scratch and stop it every other scratch, and then on track three, you fill in the other scratch where you ended it to make it sound like a loop. So it sounded like we had samplers back in the day. And that's how we created like some of the first demos that we were doing. Oh, trust you. And I was just like, yo, I don't know if now it's just like, you could just, you could do your whole album on the phone and promote it that you did it on your phone, you know? Oh man. I remember, <laughs> I remember like, like being excited to get an SP 808 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then, oh, it has a zip drive. Oh, you can upgrade it to a CD. Oh, there's like, there's like, now it's just like, just dump it in the computer. Like, what? It's just like, I remember when crossing over to computers. Yeah. I, I didn't like it. Like, I was really hating it at the beginning because I like to be hands on, hands on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. The, the problem, problem I had with the computers, you couldn't, the sequencing was off. Mm. It sounded too stiff. So I always had to use like the SP1200 or um or mpc to keep the swing but once you were able to download they had these weird things where you're able to download a sp1200 swing into the computer it's like yeah. game changer because now you actually just you could use a cheap board you didn't need a sp1200 to make it sound like an sp1200 yeah i know and so once they brought that in i think that's where i was just like I still use the SP because it's just fun to make beats on. And I'll hook it up to, to my computer through Logic and just be like, you know, come up with something unique. Yeah, take the old and the new and kind of fuse them to come up with something. Um, True. But I think it's just, I think we just got to look at it. It's just like, what's your preference? It's a preference thing at this point. You know, people want to hear a song. They either go, you know, on Spotify or they pick up a vinyl and put it on a turntable. If you like the motion of the vinyl, of actually that feel of that energy, that's your, it's more than the song. It's not about the song. It's more about the feeling of holding vinyl oh, and me. looking at the artwork. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know a kid who's never had vinyl. They're like, it's taking too long to hear the song. I've been playing it on Spotify so instant. Why would I want vinyl? And so those are the things where you kind of have to be like, it's just a preference thing. It's just a lot know. of kids now are actually getting into vinyl. Like even like this, look at this. And this is the needle. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> it's like things have changed now to like, uh, like even with DJ, like my technology has been upgraded so many times and like now I'm comfortable with what's going on. Like everybody's like, I'm gonna go buy those new control pieces. I'm just like, yo, I just like to take the needle and the turn like I used to and just go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like No, for sure. I try to um I try to stay up with technology, but only to the degree of when I need it. Cause what happens, I know there's a couple of guys they're so up on technology, they don't get anything done. You know, they always got the new software, new plugin. And I find I like a full system. So I update everything one time, get all the plugins one time. And only if there's some major thing that I need to change in my workflow, then I'll upgrade. Cause I find upgrading something always goes wrong. A plugin don't work. This don't work. And it's just oh, like, and I'm just, I'm kind of like, what's the point if you can't get the project done and I'm, I'm more about efficiency. So I'll use technology for efficiency, but not for the sake of just, having the next technology, you know, just to say I have it, you know? So, so speaking on technology, can you tell people your social media so they can find you? <laughs> no, just tough dumpling, just Google tough dumpling. That's it. You know, tough dumpling, IG. Yeah. Just tough dumpling. It's T O U G H D U M P L I N. That's how you find it. Tough dumpling. So where did the name tough dumpling come from? I made that shit up in like, elementary school or something. <laughs> and so I told this kid that um, 
that was in my class that I was like, that's going to be my record label. And he's like, you can't name a record label Tough Dumpling. I was like, watch me. <laughs> but you see, the funniest thing is about that. When you really think of Tough Dumpling, that's like a bake that's dried out. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but it just stuck. Like, it was one of those things where I, I just kept using it and using it. And eventually, and the funny thing is how the name kind of changed was when I'm, when I, moved to Brooklyn, um, Redman, I was giving Redman and some other guys some beats. And Redman, I walked in the studio and Redman was like, oh, you're Tough Dumpling, because all the beats said Tough Dumpling Beats. So he started talking, you know, Redman initially started calling me Tough Dumpling. And then everybody in the studio was like, hey, what up, Tough Dumpling? And so that stuck in kind of through, yeah, one of my favorite rappers too, Redman, <laughs> who kind of coined it. <laughs> and so, and um, and then my one of my first clients that I was mixing on a lot of their record was Junior Reed. And so Junior Reed, you know, would be like, yo, I'm going to Tough Dumpling Studio. And then Flatbush, everybody was like, yo, you want a Tough Dumpling Studio? And so no one knew Collision. Like the name disappeared instantly the moment I got to New York. It was just uh, everything was tough dumpling this, tough dumpling that. So people probably think, oh, I'm not just making a name change. It was just like, no, I can get anybody to call me Collision. I tried. <laughs> they were like, nah, nah, you dumpling. <laughs> like the name just kind of stuff. So, so on these records coming out, I just stuck with the tough dumpling just because, you know, so people recognize it from both ends. If you knew me from back then, you'd have recognized the name. If you know me now, you recognize the name. So I didn't have to remarket it like right. a whole new name, you know. And the then the logo says itself. Yeah, so the logo. When, when you were telling me one time about the whole story of the Aki and Selfish, can you explain to me what people were talking about Aki and Banana and what they thought it was? All right, so <laughs> so I've been every other I had this joke because Quezro was such a lyricist. And he was like, oh, you can't say the same rhyme again. And I was like, watch me. For some reason, <laughs> if you tell me that, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Oh, you can't name a record label Tough Dumpling. Watch me. <laughs> you can't say Aki and Banana in this song again. You said it on the last song. So, you know, I coined it in a way where a lot of people was always waiting for that phrase. And so when I went on tour... You know, kids would, would go, I got that good Aki, man. I got that good Aki. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you Jamaican restaurant, Jamaican food. And they thought Aki was weed. <laughs> and so, and I, 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 it, it wasn't just one kid. It was happening throughout the tour. So people would literally walk up to me and go, yo, I got that Aki, man. You want to, you want to smoke some Aki with me? And I'm like, did I just come up with a whole new term? And I'm like, it's, it's. <laughs> and so, and, and this was interesting because I was dealing with Warner brothers at the time. They were looking to sign me and they said the issue that they had was I kept, they wouldn't know what records they were getting. You know, sometimes it's Patwa, sometimes it's, it's it's you know you're rapping regularly but you can't and it's a mixed batch and so i understood 
if they thought Aki was weed, I was thinking, what would they think of all my other popular rhymes if Warner actually tried to push this record? Because the guys at Warner probably thought Aki was weed too. <laughs> so I was kind of looking at it like, dude, marketing outside of the West Indian community is going to be hard on some of my tracks. Well, now, like, the- you say Aki and Banana and everybody's like, yo, it's like, I could cook a good piece of it. <laughs> you know yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. But it's funny that Aki, they thought Aki was weed for the longest time. Well, you got to think about it, though. You were in Canada. 